Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Presidential campaigns seem to last forever. This time around is no different. Debates, sound bites, and personal jabs seem to dominate the landscape. Here to discuss our latest circus political is Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, what do we need to know? Well, first of all, we need to know that Liberty Magazine and our Religious Liberty Department have tried very consciously over the years to not be political. Mm-hmm. End of program. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We can go home now, yes. But what that really means is something, and I've said this before in this program, what the politicians themselves are often fishing for. I've often heard them on the media say, well, I I don't want to be political on this. Mm -hmm. And of course they're being political on that. What we strive to avoid is partisanship. Mm. But everything we say on this topic has political ramifications. And we need to comment on political debate and political developments because there is so much that just impacts civil and religious liberty. In other words, you would be saying what you're saying even if there was no politics, there were no Democrats, there were no independents, there were no Republicans, right? Right. And whether they're Republicans or Democrats, we'll talk about what's going on. But Mm -hmm. we don't have a bias toward one or the other. And what we even need to avoid is a bias towards someone who's in favor of religious liberty. Yes. Because it's very obvious in different countries that the church, not our church per se, but different churches have gone in and there's been a a ruler or a a prime minister or some politician of the hour that's very favorable to the group and so they cozy up to them and have a sweetheart relationship and then there's a coup or an election and the other side gets in and they persecute them because politicians tend not to like the friend of their opponent. (laughs) So people of faith and arguing for religious liberty really need to be bipartisan in that sense. They need to uh, re- relate very directly to the powers, but not in a way that, that creates an unholy alliance. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we're going to talk about politics, but we are not politically interested. It happens that we're in a, a free country, but even if we were living in a dictatorship, we would still have an interest in what the government or that government were to say on religious freedom. Or the potential government, as it is in a, in a campaign yeah. like what, What's interesting in this the election hasn't really gotten underway yet. This is just early days, particularly for the Republican Party. The Democratic uh, debates haven't been as fraught with candidates, if anything else, <laughs> as, as the, the Republicans. And there's a big field, and they've been debating, and certain uh, billionaires made a lot of noise. What's amazing to me, though, is there's been so little discussion of religion. Hmm. And a number of the candidates are well-known for their particular religious faith, even Trump has a certain faith, but he says little about it, and they criticize each other very little. About the most remarkable thing I can say is that a very large percentage of the Republican candidates have a strong identity with the Roman Catholic faith, which is their right, Yes, but it may signal a very large bias, no matter who wins, toward favoring some of the interests of that faith. So we'll see, and that's worth following. I think a lot of the discussion on on uh, immigration has an elephant in the room aspect on, on religious identity and, and religious demographics on the voting. An awful lot of what is said about defense and so on 
really reflects an American exceptionalist slash religious viewpoint. But no, I can't really remember an election this side of Richard Nixon's election when there was less openly said about religion. And I can't think of a period when more should be said. (laughs) Yes, it's true. Because that's the issue at play in our fight against global terrorism. The issue in our laws is we're losing, not necessarily by constitutional change, none of that, but by uh, executive orders, by precedents that are being set in the courts, religious freedom, I think, is under threat just as surely as the degradation of general civil liberties in the United States. And it's all coming in under the guise of security. But of course, you say that you you hear very little about it in politics, but we need to hear more about it in politics. But aren't we supposed to keep religion and the state separate? Should we really be hearing more about this in the political arena? Yes, we should. Remember, separation of church and state is not separation of faith and public issues. Mm -hmm. It must be there. What needs to be said, for example, is the corporate aspect of how religion is being treated. There's a favoritism toward certain religious interests that I think is unwarranted. There's also a very conscious denial that we're dealing with a religious viewpoint in the war on terror. And where I think it's going to bite us very hard, we deny that it's a particular form of religious radicalism and it's being broadcast or broadened to, uh, well, it's stated this way. It's uh, extremists and fundamentalists that we're fighting. Yes. That already has tilted into the, uh, the arena of, of people of a faith that you don't like. Anyone that's a little less than mainstream or, or has uh, personal uh, religious behavior that you find troubling, not necessarily violent or threatening, just troubling they can be easily cast as enemies of the civil state. So I think this is a time when we do need to talk openly about religion, not about the state embracing it, because that's really what it's doing by default. If it defines religion wrong, it will embrace one sort of religion or or a religious agenda. Well, that brings me to the question I wanted to ask you. As we sit in our comfy barco loungers, and we watch these debates, and we watch these people who want to be our leader going about their business of doing what they do to become our leader, what are some of the red flags that we should be looking for that tell us as Bible-believing Christians that there's danger ahead? This person, he or she, may not be on board in the best interest of not only my religion, but also my country. Well... It's really reached such a broad issue that it's not just about religion per se. It's large attitudes that radically and often negatively affect religious prerogatives. Mm-hmm. Even as simple, and this is where it starts, I don't like to emphasize it too much, but it's part of my bona fide. Even though I came as a teenager from another country, I still sort of look on the American political scene with interest, yes. sort of as a, as a Petri dish approach. <laughs> <laughs> and it amazes me the expectations that are made of these candidates, as though they're running for dictator-in-chief. That's true. That's true. We're supposed to be a democratic system where not just the will of the people is worked out, but the the will of the Constitution. And sometimes those things are going to be in conflict. People don't realize that anymore. This is not a majoritarian democracy. There's a charter laid out for us that can be changed through a very arduous process, but until that's done... 
that should be our Bible, if you like, the civil Bible. We should beware of people making huge claims, claims that can only be fulfilled if they were indeed dictator. Yes, yes. So we're in danger of empowering someone. We forget, and, and you know, it's a bad comparison, but I have to make it here. Germany was a democratic system, and Adolf Hitler came to power through the ballot box. And through emergencies and special emergency powers granted to him, he attained dictatorship. And once dictator, he was the champion of the religious forces. Hitler was not opposed to religion. I mean, everything he did was, yes. but his stance was very supportive of religion. He got all of the religion singing his song, and then off they went their merry way to, uh, to kill and to maim and destroy the image of God in the world. Now, we're not at that point, but the same dynamic clearly is working. We should not even give the time of day to people that make demagogic claims that ride roughshod over very real inhibitory rules and regulations. We should not allow someone to blind us to the real reality that it's fanatical religious activists of a certain religious viewpoint that we're dealing with. You bring up such an interesting point there. If you want to know just how much power a president wields in this country, ask a president, and he will tell you <laughs> it's not a whole lot if you come down to it because of, 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 because of why. Why can't the president just go in there and do his thing like we're afraid he's going to? Well, I'm, I'm transported instantly back to uh, evenings at home with my uh, son and daughter, helping them with their homework on American government. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a system of checks and balances. Yes. Not working as well as it used to. Yeah. And it will fail more and more as the constituency failed to hold these people to the legal requirements. Mm. You know, unbridled executive orders are trouble for a, an open democratic society, just as the legislators can run amok to and the uh, courts. But at the moment, we're heading towards sort of autocracy. People should sort of get a grip, I think. And it's hard during the election because all the buntings and the flags and the slogans and the charges and countercharges, it becomes a political theater yes. that, that easily becomes devoid of reality. Yes. But to bring us back to reality, there is a crisis of faith in the Western world that needs to be fixed up. There's a crisis of identifying how faith works and should work in society. There's a failure to truly identify faith subverted in the terrorist actions that we're fighting against. And there's, a, uh, I think, a rush to war that's truly incompatible with not just Christianity, but Buddhism, Hinduism, most every religion, and even on the middle road of Islam, it's incompatible with it. Uh, you know, I have a little cynicism because I've read the Quran a few times. Jihad war, at least, is enjoined upon the faithful. But I don't think a plain-thinking Muslim generally is going to apply that the way it's been applied now. So... You know, you could make a blanket statement that all people of faith and of good humanity should be crying against this rush toward war. And we should seek rational solutions, not the end of the gun, which just makes more of the same. And we should encourage our leaders to use the influence of the country to stop these sort of things. Just as we failed in Rwanda, we could have done more there. We should interject in the right way to the refugee crisis in the Middle East, which to a large degree deals with Christians, not just Muslims. 
Well, we will continue to monitor all of these situations that you just mentioned there as we go through this political year and as we make our decisions. I like what you said there that we need to look at the broader pictures and then choose candidates that we believe will lead us down the right paths toward those goals, not necessarily the nitpicking things that we usually talk about in political campaigns. You know, the Bible speaks about confederacies of evil, Mm. and we need to think individually. Is a globalist structure that's premised on sort of melding together all sorts of faiths and political belief systems and, you know, stirring the pot, is that moral, biblical, or expedient for even a secular government? That's the sort of thing we need to be thinking about, rather than, uh, you know, the the headline of the day, who got insulted, or, you know, what smart quip was said. But that's sort of the level, the, the television entertainment level that it tends to go on. And it's very sad. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, thank you much for your insights today. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. Today.